Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. Dating today isn't the same as when I met my husband. We've been together for 16 years now. So when we started seeing each other, there was no such thing as Tinder or Bumble. And back then in my 20s, I've got to say, it felt reasonably easy meeting people. But then I didn't have children. I went out more. And most people were single or not quite settled. We all had fewer wrinkles. (laughs) A bit more, a bit less pudge. But what would dating be like today? Personally, the thought of Tinder terrifies me. Kerry Sackville is an author and mum of three. She's just written a book to help anyone of our era who is looking for love. Her book is called Out There, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife. Hi, Kerry. How are you? Hello. So nice to be here. I have to ask, were you terrified by Tinder to begin with? Oh, beyond terrified. And in fact, I hadn't planned to go on Tinder. What I did is uh, tried to go on to, I think it was eHarmony. That was my first choice. It felt sort of safe and a bit conservative. It was a much older website. And I started loading my profile and eHarmony asks you a lot of questions because it's all about, you know, their dating algorithms and, you know, whether or not you believe in the algorithms is another question. And it started asking me for all sorts of details and then to answer all these questions, you know, my ideal Saturday night is A, going out on the town, B, staying home, watching a movie, yes, and it was never C, you know, never came up with the answer I would have chosen, which is, you know. D doing nothing, (laughs) curling up with some ice cream. Uh, And it just became too overwhelming. I couldn't do it. It just felt too real and too big and serious. So I shut down my profile before I even started and I, on a whim, loaded Tinder. And it was. It was terrifying. And when I first swiped on someone and had a mutual swipe, which is where you have a match, my heart was racing. I was sweating. It was almost like I thought this guy would materialize in my bedroom <laughs> because suddenly there he is in the chat box talking to me. It's like, oh, it's too real. I can't do this. I can't do this. But I persevered and here I am today, a veteran of Tinder. <laughs> now, um, this book is aimed at hetero women uh, who might not have tried online dating before. But what I found reading it is that it feels like there's a really strong undercurrent of empowerment in this yes. book. So yes. ideas about not taking any BS, you're worth a decent date. Was that intentional? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you picked that up. It's something that I feel really strongly. The The one thing that I've learned through all my dating experiences is the importance of looking after yourself. Um, I think... Online dating has facilitated some really bad behavior, particularly amongst men. And I know men will be listening and say, yes, hashtag not all men. There are great men out there. Every time I write something about dating, (laughs) I get men emailing me saying, I'm not like that and other men are, but I'm great. Of course, there are wonderful men. But there is a culture um, that's that's been created by this online world, which is that people feel very uh, emboldened by the anonymity of dating websites and dating apps to be really awful. And also, I think because of the the choice, you know, dating is now, it's like a buffet. As you said, when we were younger, 
Yeah, you'd go to the pub, there'd be half a dozen single men and you'd pick one because that was, <laughs> that was your choice, you know. And it felt much easier. Now men go online and I can show you, I mean, there are dozens, scores, hundreds of amazing single women. And so they sort of feel a bit, oh, I've got so much choice. And it's very... Um, it's very casual. Um, they feel quite able to chat with you and then ghost you, take you out on a date or two and then and then move on to the next. There's no sense of commitment or consistency. And so I feel really strongly that we as women need to have standards, need to have boundaries, protect ourselves and not fall into the trap of, of thinking, oh, I'll, I'll take what I can get. Because being alone isn't so bad. And, I also, <laughs> and the thing is, as well, reading this, I felt like um, I wish I had have read a book like this when I was dating, yeah. you know, with those ideas of boundaries. And you also, I mean, in some ways to me, it feels like a bit of a self-help guide meets dating guide book because that part you write a lot about you just mentioned their boundaries but also um, allowing yourself to grieve the loss of a relationship absolutely and something that that women do but I think men do even more is is we jump into new relationships to try to heal ourselves from the old and I certainly was was um guilty of doing that and and what you say about self-help is I made all these mistakes I have gone out there and I have got into relationships too early. I've got into relationships with the wrong men. I've, I've compromised myself. So I put, I put up with behavior that I shouldn't have put up with because I was so desperate to hang on to the person. Um, I, I was dating one person when I still wasn't over the old. And so, I, you know, I was a mess. And, and if you're not okay with, within yourself, you can't be okay within the dating world. And that was the message that I wanted to get across. But I think a lot of us have bought into this idea of, you know, you get over one person by getting under the next. And, you know, casual sex is one thing. And if if you're able to go and have casual sex with someone to help you get over a relationship, fine, great. But it is almost never a good idea to get straight into a new relationship when you haven't yet fully grieved the the old and you think you're okay. I mean, I I think six months um, after my husband and I separated is when I went online. I'd already had a brief relationship by then with an old friend, which was, of course, a disaster. Rebounds are (laughs) never a good idea. And I thought that I was okay. And in fact, I didn't realize until two years had passed, I wasn't actually okay at all. Now I'm starting to feel okay two, you know, two three years down the track. Certainly now five years down the track, I'm great. But yeah, it takes a long time to disentangle yourself from, from a relationship. And you can move into a separate place. You can sort out custody arrangements. You can separate your finances. But you're still tied to that person. I mean, if you think of how you are with your husband, imagine if suddenly you were apart you're still in that pattern of thinking about him all the time and and wondering what he'd say and wondering what he'd think and worrying about his opinion and wanting to tell him things, even if it ended badly. So it's it's a long process. And I think we need to give ourselves that time to grieve before we rush into into the next big thing. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Kerry Sackville. She's the author of Out There, A Survival Guide to Dating in Midlife. I should also add, it is very funny. There's lots of (laughs) practical advice. There's so many levels. Practical advice, it's funny and it has lots of messages of empowering in it. But um, let's get to the practical part because um, you seem to have met a lot of men for coffee. (laughs) You're you're not saying that you you don't have to go on and date them, but coffee is Mm -hmm. a must to understand if you've got a connection. Coffee or a drink. Or a drink. The problem with alcohol, as I mentioned in the book, is that it's very easy to drink too much and then suddenly, you know, the the Merlot that you're drinking decides that that man is really attractive and... (laughs) 
you want to kiss him and see him again. And when the Merlot goes away, it's like, what have I done? I've committed to a date with someone I'm not interested in at all. So, so yeah, you coffee switch is, to coffee. Yeah, coffee lots is a of, better idea. Lots of coffee. <laughs> it sounds exhausting. Yeah. Is it exhausting? Yeah, it's exhausting. And that's why I talk a lot in the book about screening. Because back in the early days, I didn't know how to screen men. And so I was really accepting dates with all sorts of people. And dating is exhausting. It takes a lot of emotional energy. We think of it as, oh, just an hour out of your time. But of course, it's not that because there's the time you spend initially messaging the person. And then if you're sensible, you'll switch you know, to, to phone calls or at, le- you know, at least one phone call before you meet. And even if you don't, even if you jump straight into meeting them, there's still the emotional energy and getting dressed and, and prepping yourself and thinking about the date and putting on your best, you know, best um self, your dating face. And, you know, I'm here now talking to you on air and that's the kind of rush and the kind of energy that you bring to a date because you're not with a friend, you're not with family, you're with a stranger and you're trying to suss them out, they're sussing you out. So it's exhausting. So I think it is really important, and I talk about this a lot, to screen people well so you don't waste your time. And, you know, again, you'll hear all sorts of messages from other people. Oh, it's a numbers game. Yeah, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs to, to get to your prince. And that's nonsense. And I talk about why that's nonsense. Uh, there's absolutely no point going on a date with someone you know you're not going to be interested in. Um, there's no point um, going on a date with someone who, who doesn't meet your most basic criteria because you're just going to be wasting your time, exhausting yourself. And, um, and it's almost... I wouldn't say demoralizing, but it, it can it can leave you feeling really flat when you've spent an hour in the company of someone with whom you just don't resonate and they don't resonate with you. So it's it's best to save your time and energy for people that you feel you're really excited to meet. And I get a sense from this book that you have written this to help other people, that you have definitely fallen in some potholes, oh, but yeah. you've also had some really great times. Um, but it sounds like... The kind of approach to dating where men and women are equal in your mind, because I don't get the sense that you're necessarily needing to meet the one, or am I wrong? Are no, you still oh, looking absolutely. for the one? <laughs> no, I, when I date these days, it's more to go out and uh, have a good time. So with someone I think, I, I, you know, I'll enjoy their company for an hour or two and we might do something interesting. And if it progresses to more than that, great. If it doesn't, that's absolutely fine. Um, because something that I've learned is that it, being alone is okay. Being alone is more than okay. There's there's lots of wonderful things about being alone. and And being in a relationship is not an ideal state any more than being alone is an ideal state. There are just different ways to live. And, and yeah, something else that, that I write about is, again, more of the messages we get from other people that, you know, people who are, who are single and dating are often accused of being too fussy. And you need to look outside the box and you need to lower your standards. There's no perfect person. All of us dating in midlife, we know that. We've all been, you know, we've all been either married or in long-term relationships. We get that there's no perfect person. <laughs> we understand the compromises involved in a relationship. And we know that it's actually better to be alone than to be with someone who isn't meeting you know, your, your most basic needs. So feeling safe, feeling um, respected, feeling um, that you enjoy their company. So, uh, Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I do have one question before we have to wrap up. I mean, there can be a big gap between single and partnered friends. I mean, I find it difficult to imagine 
your lifestyle and what it's like going out yeah. dating. But you've lived mine. Yes, yes. So what advice do you have for women who are newly single and they might have been in long-term relationships, although their friends are still in those marriages, and they're maybe struggling to find their place in a coupled world? What would you say to it's, them? That's actually really good questions. It's really challenging. And I, I would say to people listening who are still coupled up to look after your single friends. I think a lot of people in long-term marriages forget that their single friends still need them. Um, I think a lot of them look at people like me and assume that every Saturday night I'm out dating, I'm out with some new fabulous man, and they don't think to include me in their you know, dinners out with other couples or movies or whatever. So to those people, please still look after your single friends. To single friends... Oh, to single women, understand that your married friends may forget to do that. So you can be proud, like I think I was for a long time. I was like, well, if they're not going to include me, I won't mention it. I think it's worth actually reaching out and saying, listen, I'm lonely. I've got nothing to do. You know, can I come hang with you or, or can you include me? But it actually is really important to cultivate other single friends and it changes your life. And we're everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of us, there's a lot of single women, there's a lot of divorced women, separated women, uh, long-term single women. And what you need to do is just start reaching out to other people, mums from school, for example, um, people that you chat to online, join Facebook groups for single women, ask other women out for coffee. I have never been knocked back. You know, I, I've reached out to a lot of other um, women who, who were mere acquaintances um, and said, you know, should we, should we catch up sometime? I've never been knocked back and I've never knocked anybody else back who's, who's reached out to me. And it really does help to have that network of, of other single women around you just to have somebody to go out with on a Saturday night or just to debrief with about a date. Again, your, your married friends will not necessarily uh, give you the, the best advice. You can be well-meaning. I mean, I know how well-meaning you are, Siobhan, <laughs> but, but I imagine you probably don't know what the dating scene is like, no, as you God said. No, so no. what do you do when someone ghosts you? Or how do I respond to this man? Or what do I wear? So your single friends who, who are living it themselves are the, in the best position to, to chat to you and you know send screenshots of the ridiculous messages you get and talk about <laughs> who, who's worth a swipe on Tinder. So that's really important. And also just to, to work on yourself and... One thing I wrote in the book, I, you know, I, I hated it when people said to me, you need to be okay alone, you need to be okay alone. You just want to smack them and say, I don't want to be alone. Why should I be? But in fact, you do need to be okay alone and it really is okay. And so you need to, for example, make your home a really nice, welcoming place. Like I love my bedroom. I, and and you know, being single after being married for so long, it's it's the first time you can actually decorate your room the way you want. Have girly sheets if you want or have Puri or <laughs> 17 throw cushions if you want. So make your your home um, and particularly your bedroom a place that you really feel comfortable being in and, and pamper yourself. You know, some people can afford to go and get massages and that's wonderful. Um, some people can afford to go on little holidays. If you can't, you know, get books that you love to read or, or watch, you know, some crappy film on Netflix or, you know, immerse yourself in Bachelor in Paradise, which is my shameful secret. Um, look after yourself because you're worth looking after. And I think that's a very strong message in your book. So thank you, Kerry, for coming in. Such a pleasure. And hang on to your husband. <laughs> <laughs> that's Kerry Sackville. She's the author of Out There, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife. It's available at all good bookstores now, but we'll also have a link if you want to check it out online.